Welcome to What's Left, folks. Um, we're starting this episode, What's Left Old School. Right? Yeah, in person. In the beginning, it was Eduardo <laughs> and Andy in person on a couch, not with a dog, but there's the dog. She has a okay. <laughs> um, but um, this episode is about me and Hema. Um, Hema and I. Hema and I. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're teaching the teacher. That's right. Thank you. And not just that, I, I, this is not my main language. <laughs> all right yes this is about Hema and i um but one thing we left out was an important detail we want to share with you now in the opener so take it from there Hema. all right so as you guys can see i have tattoos um and that was one of the things that i always loved to like i would always wanted to have a tattoo but i waited and i postponed have getting a tattoo because my mom you know kind of telling her and i knew it was going to be a disappointment i had this whole speech made when out. was your first tattoo my first tattoo was in 2017. Okay, not that long ago. No, not that long ago. And my first tattoo was actually my mom. So I got something in commemoration of my mom. The <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so it's an it's it's an Adelita um, in the form of a Katrina, and my mom's name is Adela. So I thought it was oh, I thought it was pretty awesome. I'm, I consider my mom a warrior woman. So she's got a gun. Yeah. She got a rifle with roses. ready to go. Yeah. The second tattoo that I got was this one. So, and I'm going to flip it to CBS. Can I actually take a look at that? That is actually Lipson. If it's not clear by the socialist this that the knight is carrying. And I decided, you know, if I had to commemorate Lipson in a way, my body, how would I do it? And I always thought, well, you're a knight, you're a warrior, you're a fighter, and you're a fighter of good cause and of people you love. So got that socialist there. And that was pretty deep into our relationship, yeah. you know, yeah. that was, so this was the first tattoo. And I got this one actually the same year, 2017. This was early 2017. This was middle, mid 2017. Yeah. So it was a really big deal for me. So uh, yeah, amazing. So he still hasn't gotten a tattoo for me. I'm waiting. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenge the mainstream left. We are online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on notifications, share your favorite episode, and jot down our information wherever you found this episode. My name is Andy Libson. I'm a teacher and socialist, a teacher in Oakland and a socialist. And we are joined again by recent uh, What's Left, uh, what would you Collaborator. Call Collaborator. <laughs> right. We're recent What's Left collaborator and person who's kind of uh, joined us since Jessica stepped out, uh, Hema, Abert Hema Alberto Sotomayor. Yes. Eduardo's going to be very disappointed. He only wants Hema Sotomayor on there. Yes. Yes. But I want Alberto Sotomayor because I was present at your wedding. Not only was I present at your wedding, I was officiating your wedding. So let's uh, recognize those, those <laughs> marriages. Um, and... Um, we're joined here with Hema, and uh, I guess I'll just get straight into this because um, Eduardo's not going to be here today, and it's just going to be me and Hema. And I told Hema I thought this would provide an opportunity for us to talk about us um, because we have a we have a we have a long past together that is just rich in family and in community and politics. Um, in education, um, and um, I, I feel like people. I personally feel like my audience, our audience, doesn't appreciate how important you are in my life. And um, 
So this is going to be my chance to explain that to people, or at least show that to people, and also show you off to everyone. Because I mean, <laughs> it's always fun to have you uh, here on What's Left, and well, it's always fun. Like when Jessica came and visited, the first people she met was you and Brian and and Jorge. And it was like started with a bang right off and everyone was having a great time. <laughs> oh, my fire. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, so this episode is really going to be a personal one, um, personal me, personal Hema. Um, and I feel like this, this episode is about us. Yes. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, I think I'll give to your point, some context for the audience to kind of get to know me and how, we are a functional, a dysfunctional functioning family <laughs> and also have the audience get to see a different side of us or maybe why we um, say the same things we say or, you know, are involved in each other's life, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, who should have start and where do you want to start? I say let's start from right in the thick of it, in the middle of it. So I, I. I was attending Mission High School. I attended Mission High School my soft, my junior and senior year. And you were my chemistry teacher in junior and then my physics teacher in senior year. Yeah. And what I always get these wrong. Is that class of 2005, 2006? Oh, 05. Oh, 05. Oh, so then I was your teacher in 04 and 05. Yes. Okay. 03 to 04 and then 04 to 05. Right, which would have been very early in my career because I started teaching in like 2000. So it was my first four, four or five years of teaching. When I came into Lipson's, um, when I joined Mission, when I started attending Mission High School, it was probably my most rebellious stage. I had transferred from another high school in another city simply because I didn't like that school. It didn't make sense. My mom said, okay, fine, pick another school. And at the time when I went to Unified School District, Mission High School had all of these academies that I thought were really neat. They had like the Law Academy, the Science Academy, Math Academy. I just thought that was super cool. So that's how I ended up being um, in Mission High School. But again, this was like my very rebellious year. And I remember you being the teacher that just didn't care. You didn't care. I, I genuinely, and that's why I was telling you, we're all put numbers to you <laughs> because you didn't care. I, I feel like you didn't care if we showed up. You didn't care if we paid attention. I mean, as long as we weren't dis disruptive, as long as you were able to get across what you wanted to, then it was fine. Um, I I would cut classes and I would cut classes in your room because <laughs> you didn't care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you also didn't care that I was such a smart ass. Um, I would. What was it? I was make I was asking you to call me Miss Otomayor because if I was going to call you Mr. Lipsing out of respect, you owe the same amount of respect back to me. So you also had to address me by Miss Otomayor and you refused. I don't know what your problem was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do remember you doing that and you would do it in the middle of class. I would. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> or maybe I tried it every once in a while, but no, it's, it, 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 it wasn't never Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go with the, the, I, I didn't care thing because. I think, first of all, there's some truth in that. Not like, Not like I, really, I mean, I really was important to me to be a teacher, but I will definitely say that early on, 
I didn't even think about forming relationships with the with students. Like it, I didn't even know that that was part of the job. I'd heard that oh, you need to form relationships with students, but I would roll my eyes and be like, no, you got to like teach the content, you know. And and I <clears throat> I would say, look, if you don't want to pay attention, get the heck out, you know. And I would I would have that. I really did have that attitude, you know. Like you know, you don't want to be here, then go, you know. Um, and I mean, I, so I, I, I do under, do recognize that. And, and I didn't really have any close relationships with students. I think maybe there were some students who would come to my room, but I didn't know what that was about, you know, like, and, um, and so I think there's real truth in that. It's not that I didn't care. It's just that I didn't think that I was in a relationship building job. Like I didn't realize this was a job in which almost all of it is about forming a relationship with, with your students you went into the wrong branch isn't that the reason why they compensate paying you explain paying you guys so little it's, it's <laughs> the difference you make in these children's lives uh, <laughs> so and, but the, at the same time like i went into education because i felt like i had struggled to you know through things in middle school and high school emotional with emotional things and with with things that I had a lot of anger about. And so when my when I stopped doing research, my mom and even people around me were like, why don't you go teach at Stanford? Or why don't you teach at a high-end college? You have that kind of educational pedigree where you could do that. And I just felt no affinity for that, those sorts of students. I didn't feel like I would be, I felt like I would be in the wrong place. I felt like I needed to be with students where there was more turmoil and more and more um tumult in their lives because that's what I related to. So I knew I wasn't going to work at anything bigger than a community college, you know, like and I thought that I would want to work at a high school and I did I had my first year at admission high school was like my test year just to see if I liked doing it. And you know, cuz people had told me it was very hard and I knew I had a friend of mine who would like he said he cried all the time when he would come home, you know, because it was so hard. And I remember going through my first year and my first year was hard, but it, it wasn't like, it was hard in a way that I really enjoyed. Um, it was so, challenging. Yeah, it was challenging and it, and it, but it was really, um, it was, it was exciting to, to try to come put together lessons and see if you can get something to work in the classroom and come up with ideas on things to teach. Um, but I, I, so it's weird for you to say I didn't care because I was like, I did care, but I also know that I didn't even think about forming relationships with my students. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am also being a little bit dramatic, sort of, kind of, because I, I do remember one of the things that made me think like, oh, you're an OK guy was um, I was so hungry one day. And I don't remember why I didn't have money on me that day. I don't remember what it was. But I remember going into your classroom just randomly and saying, I'm hungry. And you're like, I got bagel. I got onion bagels back there in mozzarella in the little fridge. Or provolone. It was provolone. Yeah. You had provolone in those nasty onion bagels. Who the heck eats <laughs> onion bagels? And I said, all right, well, I'm hungry. Let me go get that. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool of you. I was like, okay. Um, And then the, and you're, so one of the reasons why too, I was very rebellious, very nonchalant in class was because class came so easy to me. Like, I don't ever feel that I was really being challenged in school. I was getting good grades. I didn't have to study. I would pass my tests. It was whatever. 
and what started impacting me was I stopped doing the work. So it wasn't that I didn't understand the material. It was just that I stopped doing the assignments. I stopped turning in the paper, the essays. Then I started just ditching class. And that's where our relationship kind of came up. Because first I would just ditch a couple classes and I would just be in your room. Then I started ditching full on days, not even showing up to to school. And it was at that time that my home period teacher decided to do an intervention and call my mom and was kind of like, hey, what's going on with Hema? We haven't seen her. Is she okay? And it wasn't even a Hema's failing class. It, it was a legitimate concern. Like I I know it was he was legitimately concerned that I'm such a great student. I'm on top. Why am I not showing up for class? And of course, my mom didn't know at the time that I was ditching school. And it was the stupidest thing. If you guys want to know what I was ditching class for. Um, so we live in San Francisco and Redwood City is about maybe like a two hour bus drive. I would catch the bus from the like the corner of my house and take it all the way to Redwood City. Then I would get on that same bus again and then ride all the way back. And it was just because I liked change, seeing the change in the scenery. That was it. I wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, it was just, I don't even know, you know, I can't explain the real reason why I was ditching school, but I just didn't care. And of course they do the intervention with you, my homeschool teacher. And I think it was my English teacher. Oh, and my math teacher it was Mr. Yamamoto too. I think. Was this, was this I think junior it was all of you guys. Year? Was this junior year or senior year? That was junior year. Okay, so that's that first year you're in my class. Going into senior year, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, it was the first year now I think about it. Because um, senior year, I really didn't care. I didn't do anything. I had already pretty much graduated. I just needed to take, I think, one year of English, and that was it. Right. Everything else I had right. already completed. Um, and I remember being so upset and so betrayed at my homeschool teacher. Until this day, one of my mortal enemies for ratting me out. <laughs> <laughs> what what came but of that? What came of that meeting was my mom was like, I'm going to start walking you to school. I'm going to, it was so stupid. And it was, it wasn't even like I was doing anything bad. It was more of a, you're not showing up to class. And, you know, I was still passing my classes. It was just, where have you been the last two weeks? Right. And out of everyone in that meeting, everyone was so concerned. So you just, you were like, like, I felt that you were there because you had to be there because you were part of the nucleus of my teachers. <laughs> but you're like. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I will give you credit. Afterwards, you know, I think it was during lunch period because I would go eat lunch in your room. Like I, I wasn't it was just you in your room and me and maybe sometimes another student. But it wasn't like we weren't really talking. But afterwards, you did start to ask me. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you approached me. You're like, so what's really going on? Mm-hmm. And I knew. Th- so there's a so now I, I in hindsight, I kind of retract the statement I made earlier. I didn't really know because I think I do know. When you asked me that, I think I exploded and I vomited and I just told you I started opening up about everything, the pressures and everything that I was under. And. You were very understanding. And I had never had that. I come from this very stereotypical Latin family where everything, no, there's no excuse. Everything has to be the way that it is. You know, you saying I feel bad or, you know, I'm sad, I'm depressed. That's not a real thing. Shake it off. 
and you weren't like that. You were the first person that I had spoken to that was listening to me for who I was. And so little by little, I started opening up. And I, I, I think the first time, I'm trying to remember, I, I was working at the time. I know I was working on the weekends. And then you asked me if I could part-time at the ISO on Thursday mm-hmm. babysitting. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And I think you had to talk to my mom because I think my mom didn't believe that I was going to go because it was at nighttime. Right. And so I started to get a little bit more introduced to you. And I'm and I think the next thing was. I don't remember if it was we had gone out to dinner with Susie or we had gone to the park first. So Susie was your, for the audience, Susie was back then your long-term partner. Yeah. And do you remember which one it was first? Do you remember if it was Susie or or the park? I I feel like it might've been the park, like the park would make sense. Yeah. I feel like we went to the park, the place where you took you into the dark. I will tell the audience. Okay. (laughs) But I want to, I want to say something first about, go back to that initial, um, and then we can come back to the crazy, not crazy, but spooky park walk. Um, <laughs> the the thing that I remember, um, first off, I was new to intervention meetings like that as a teacher. So I wasn't really sure what role to play. But but the other thing I remember is I really I wasn't concerned because I saw what the work you were doing in my class. And I saw that you were like that you were really smart and that that you were smart about and you were clever that you were creative that and and you spoke very well like and very in a, in a way that really struck me as like wow this person is has a lot of actually maturity and insight into a lot of areas and a lot of things and so when people are tripping about like oh she's cutting school or skipping school you got to remember my junior year i cut two weeks of school and i was just like you know, that happens sometimes, you know, people just, they're, they're, they get fed up and they just, they got to do something. And sometimes it is, a, I mean, I later understood it. Sometimes it is a cry for help actually. And that probably, it was a bit of a cry for help in some ways, but in terms of your future, I was like, she's going to be fine. Like she's got all her shit locked up. I mean, she knows what she's doing, um, which was partly, I think true, but also it was my inexperience in really being able to understand those things but i will say i i do remember going like she's fine she's just cutting school i've done it of course everyone should cut school every once in a while kind of thing so that's something i do remember from that from that meeting you didn't care (laughs) (laughs) you and i would get at it about um about politics too that was that was actually i think how it started before it got to the very um before I think we had the intervention, you and I had already kind of talked about politics because you were socialist. I was from Nicaragua. And so, you know, I had family that were Sandinistas, but I was pro Somoza. And then you and I would just get at it. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, that that's that's where that started. But you know, so I am a brown woman. I, I know I, I'm very white passing for those that can see us in YouTube, but I am a brown woman. And here's this white man. And I've always had this fear 
Um, and again, it's just because I was born, I was raised in Central America, part of my living and going back and forth and seeing changes. And you see all these documentaries and all these murder things. And um, I was always afraid to be in a place that was predominantly white people. I, I would prefer where the majority of people were people of color, whether they be brown, black, Chinese, just not predominantly white. I felt the safest. That's that's me. Um, and I remember giving you shit for that all the time. And but, you know, you were you were listening to me. You weren't really pushing me. You weren't giving me a hard time. You weren't chastising me. And I needed at that time without realizing I needed a father figure that would listen because my dad wasn't really present. My mom and I were clashing at the most at that time. My brothers, there's a big age gap. And there was, I needed someone to fill that role. I didn't know it then, but that was that cry for help with you, I think. Um, with the fact that you didn't care, quote unquote, to me, it was like, hmm. And so I said, all right, well, let's, let's hang out with this guy. And I don't remember why we went to the park. I don't remember how that came about. I know that you always like walking. Yeah, I, I think it became, so this was new for me. And you were still in school at this point? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was like, I was a little uncomfortable with like, what what am I going to talk with a student about? You know, like, and so I wanted to go to a place I was comfortable. <laughs> and, and that happened to be Golden Gate Park at night. <laughs> oh, Golden Gate Park. Like, and I think it was seven or eight. It was definitely dark. There was not, this park is huge there's not a single soul that we walked by there's barely the post lights and you would think that you know we're gonna stick to the trails where the light is no 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 no. he wanted to take me to the back places where it's super dark and the entire time i'm thinking this is where i die this is where i die <laughs> it doesn't help that you say oh this is where i married my dad's <laughs> i was like great i'm gonna i'm gonna be married with cats <laughs> and for people to know i had three cats that i love dearly each of them packed titus pearl and nomad each as they passed away one at 10 one at i think 11 one at 13 and i buried them in golden gate park you had only buried pearl and nomad titus was oh. still alive at this time <laughs> so you know it was weird but you, you also have to kind of trust your gut and something just happened. I, I think it's one of those things where it's meant to be in, in a lot of these red flags and normal. You'd be like, I don't know. I don't really know this guy. There's a big age gap. Even if there wasn't, he's my teacher. Should I be here? And, I, you know, were they there? Yeah. But it was it wasn't enough for me to not be able to enjoy the experience. And that's where we that's where I realized I had a lot to say. And in our conversations, you helped me understand and deal with a lot of the trauma that I had and you didn't have to do that that was not your responsibility that was not your job and for me again at the moment I didn't know how much I needed somebody to listen to me somebody to not judge me somebody to take what I was saying seriously at face value and I started telling you about my previous you know my sexual abuse about the pressures of my family and just you were so open you were it wasn't like it wasn't that you tried to a tell me oh are you sure maybe it was this or your family wants the best for you it wasn't that at all you really just listened 
And that's what I needed. I just needed someone to listen. And so you became like my huge comfort. You became that father figure. Well, at that time, a mentor. You you were that mentor. That's somebody that I could trust. You didn't go and call my mom. You didn't go and call CPS or tell people, oh, you know, this girl might need to get checked out or, you know, you might. And to this day, I'm very thankful and I love you for it. I think that's where my love started because I had never had that. I had never had that type of relationship with a man, let alone a white guy. You know, so things just changed for me. And I think that I started to rely more on you. Mm-hmm. And as I look back on that, the thing, I mean, I, I feel like sometimes to a fault, I've always been a good listener. And sometimes I've listened too much and not spoken and shared enough. Right. I think I think, you know, about the, my past in this re- relationship in that regard. Um, and probably when you met me here, I was still a person who was more listening than was going to share, um, which you can't have a relationship if you're only going to listen. And, um, but, and so I, there was a part of my, of my own makeup that was almost crafted to say, well, the student wants to share, then I'm going to listen. But I also, I think what was, and I do feel like you're the first student who opened me up to this. Um, cause I'm trying to remember. I would, I had not started counseling at that point. No. And um, I was very interested in what you were talking about, like in talking about trauma as a young high school student, talking about all sorts of like emotional difficulties, because in many ways I had constructed myself to just hide much, most of that for myself. And I feel like I was being reintroduced to my own challenges, my own difficulties by a young person who was right there experiencing it. Whereas I feel like I had piled on layers of concrete to just hide myself from that. And so I think I wasn't, I wasn't just listening. I feel like I was taking notes, you know, and being like, and, and, and what, and watching how you were feeling about that and being like, yeah, that, if that happened to me, I would feel that way too, you know? And that's probably why I was able to say, uh to not to to affirm what you were doing because everything seemed like it was like i was almost discovering myself and listening to you and that's what i needed i i didn't know that's what i needed at the time but that's definitely what i needed and i guess that's what you needed too and i want to be clear i did not know that at the time like everything i was just like oh you know this is interesting I, i maybe i probably was a little nervous and you know, like, but, but I followed my heart. I mean, I followed something. You're, you're not following the rule books. You're not, no. <laughs> older white man taking, you know, that is not, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> can uh, I, can I interject before you continue? He had a serial killer van. You had <laughs> these, you know, like the, oh, hey, you want candy? Um, Big <laughs> man, greed, just. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing you survived and I wasn't thrown in jail. <laughs> don't be. It was meant to be. <laughs> Sorry, um, but go ahead. So that's, is that junior or senior year? What we're, that was junior year. All of this was happening junior year. Yeah. Hmm. Senior year for me was, senior year for me was so much fun. 
so much fun. But this was junior year. And this was actually, I think, the second part of junior year going into. Yeah, it was the second part of junior year because it was warm enough that we could go to the park at night. Mm-hmm. So we it was. Did, we did that a few times. We did. So yeah. the first one was the pan, the panhandle. And that's the first time that I opened up about sexual abuse. So you, it wasn't Golden Gate the first time we we hung out. It was the Panhand, um, that park, yeah, which is close to Golden Gate actually. Mm-hmm. And then it's the handle that's attached to Golden Gate, yeah. Yeah, and then the second time was at Golden Gate Park that we walked a little bit more, and that's when I found out about the cats. And I think that yeah, so the third time would have been with Susie because at that point I had opened up, and I think that you were kind of like okay, and so you had asked me if I'd want to go meet Susie and that was the first time that I saw you dressed as a normal person um <laughs> your fashion sense is horrible because I was I weren't I was wearing pajamas at that time you would wear pajamas to school um like you would you pajama, would wear pajama pants with a shirt yes a fanny, a fanny pack. pack yes and these terrible shoes with holes and never match socks <laughs> terrible you were a cry for help <laughs> And when you picked me up to go, we went to a Pakistani, Pakistani restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time that I had Pakistani food. Um, you were dressed in these biker shorts with a t-shirt. And it, you just look, and you didn't have a fanny pack. Or did you? No, you had a wallet. You had a wallet. Mm. Yeah. It was a whole other trip. <laughs> I don't, that I don't, I don't remember that. Part, part. I remember it was striped black and gray biker shorts. <laughs> God, that's crazy. Skater, this skater, not biker, skater shorts. That's what I mean. Skater right. shorts. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so where do things go from there? Um, after that, you helped me. Um, you did ref you did reference letters. Yeah. For college, and I think you reviewed my essay mm-hmm. to get in, and you and I just kind of kept in contact during college because I was pursuing biochemistry at the time, and so we would do a lot of lab work. And I remember kind of calling you, my dad and my my biological father at that time. He was trying to figure out the best way to to um, separate metals. And I don't remember what metals he was working with, but he was trying to find a way to separate metals. Um, And I remember calling you and kind of saying, hey, my dad. And so you were kind of giving me some, well, you kind of have to do these things or these. So that was another path. But I got back in contact with you because we did. We broke contact. You served your purpose at that time, Mm Lipson. Okay. Which was, hear me. I, I, I I need to say these things. And then I reached out for you specifically for education it was hey what do you think about this it was about biochemistry it was about my lab work it was about my homework and then I would come into the city because I worked in the city on the weekends and every now and then we would hang out but it was super casual I, I I don't actually think that we continued where we had left off it wasn't until I had the sexual assault in college right and but I had already visited didn't I visit you once in Stanislaus you did before that before that event or after before that event? that event that event happened my third year of college which is when i stopped attending right um so again we you were still in my life like we would hang out but it, we weren't really i think at that time you had already broken up with susie mm-hmm. 
And actually, that's where I think our problem started. Um, when I left to college and I came back, we went to Taco Bell. You took me to the Taco Bell that was by, you know, where um, Guerrero and Market, or I think Valencia and Market intersect. There was, there was, I don't know if there still is a Taco Bell there. And I remember asking you questions and you not wanting to open up, you not wanting to tell me anything. And that's when I started pushing back and saying, it's not going to work. This is not going to work. You have to, you have to talk to me. You have to tell me what's going on with you. It can't just be me, 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 to which you responded. Do you remember? Yeah. Like it is going to be you, 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 you. Cause I don't think it's, I, like I'm an adult, you're a child and I've had my own experiences of adults putting their issues on me and I am not interested in any way of doing that and like so y you are going to have to fight hard to have me say oh Hema I'm dealing with this problem I want to open up to you it's like no if 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 I was friends with Susie I would talk to Susie or if I had a friend who's an adult I'll talk to them but this this is a one-way street you know you share with me but I don't share to you um, and now there's also personal reasons for that because I had reluctance, but there were yeah. also, but there were also boundaries. Like, yeah, yeah, like well, like no, because I was I struggled to share with anyone at that point in time in my life. You know, like I had a lot of work to do. You know, yeah. but but this relationship was very important for me to do right, and for me to do it right, it meant it was a one way street. Because um, I, I I did not want to repeat things that I felt like had not helped me. Um, and, and you would say, well, I, that's not going to work. And I'm like, well, that's how it is. Cause I, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that thing and I don't think it's appropriate. And I think, you know, it's, it's not right for adults to put those things. I'll find another person my age to talk with about that. And I'm stubborn. <laughs> I knew that I wanted you in my life. I knew that you were important to me and I just knew that wasn't good. That wasn't going to last. It just couldn't be because one, I wanted to hang out with you. And I, I was hoping and knowing that my life wasn't always going to have a crisis that merited you and I talking about that. So we had to come up with other things to talk about. And you and I had great um, political conversations. That was another way that that was actually the stepping stone into me feeling comfortable and kind of telling you what was going on was you and I had gone back and forth on a lot of the political aspect. Um Although you refused to vote for me if I ran for president, you said yeah. no. no. You know, my arch nemesis said yes. <laughs> really? He said yes. Well, you know, he, he'd vote for Biden. Oh, he probably did. <laughs> 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 but you had said no. And I remember being so, so just, um, what is it? Not appalled, offended. I was so offended. Um, but that's and that's just to be clear, she was running on a straight dictatorship ticket. Still am. I will decide for you what should be done. I know what's best for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's that's kind of where it was, right? We were in college. I was in college and that was the first kind of conversation. I remember coming out very bummed, but I'm like, no. This is not, this was going to change. Like, I just knew this was going to change. So I went through college. And I think at that time you were separating from Susie, which caused you to go to therapy or start yeah. therapy. Yep. And that was just perfect coincidence because I was transitioning over to 
being an, a young adult where you, there was, I don't think there was that issue of, well, she's my student. She's really young while you were working on yourself. And, you know, so I think that laid the perfect foundation for us to be able to, our relationship to be able to move to the next step. And then I had my crises um, during the sexual assault in college. And you were the first person I called. Um, and I remember you asking me, was I okay to drive if you needed to come get me? Cause, and I said, no, I'll drive. Um, you asked me if I had a place to go. I said, yes, I'm, I'm going to go to my then, um, the, to a friend of mine who ended up then becoming my partner. Um, and it, you were just, you, you were very comforting again. It, it took me back to our the first time I opened up to you in the park, which was, I can talk to you about these things. I felt safe with you. And I was once again in a vulnerable, a vulnerable state. And I don't, and I moved back. I think that was towards the end of the school year. That was towards the end of the school year. And so I, I ended up going back to San Francisco and I was seeing you more and kind of just telling you I'm done with college. This is just too much. My, my dad had just passed away. I had broken up with my then um, boyfriend. I had been with him for like four years, I think at the time. So my life was just turned upside down. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And you were there. And it just, again, cemented the fact that I knew you were going to be in my life for a really long time. And I knew I could trust you. And I always felt very safe with you. And again, it's not something that I've felt with. Men have always been, not that, Men are the enemy, I, I, but I have never been the safest around men. I've had multiple bad experience from people that I trusted. And you would think that that would set me up like, this is a stranger. You think you can trust them. He's going to inadvertently cross the line at one point. I never had those doubts with you. I just, I always felt safe with you. And yeah, at that point, I think is when I started I think that's when I started calling you, like telling you that you were like my father figure. I remember once, I remember one um, Father's Day, I called to congratulate you. I was like, happy Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. And um, it is because I think at around this time is also when Jennifer was coming into my life, a second student, essentially, who I think was asking more than you were um, of me. And as this one came in, I was a little more aware of what was going on. Like in many ways you had, it was like concrete had to be cracked through and you're the one who had to take the jackhammer and then the concrete was softened. <laughs> and I think the, the, that kind of father daughter dynamic that, that I was not even not, it's not just a question of comfortable with, I wasn't quite comfortable with it. I didn't even think like, it just didn't even come into my mind. That that's a possibility, you know, because I, I'm not your dad. Yeah. Um, and that then I think I'm start. I started to realize, well, I'm not her. I'm not her father, but I wouldn't mind having a daughter like this. You know, like this would be kind of cool to have this. It'd be kind of cool to have him as my daughter. You know, but I I I struggled to to, to say that. I struggled to say that to you. I struggled to acknowledge that for myself because I was afraid. I think I'm just afraid of being hurt. Uh, and just, I had not had a good relationship with my own dad. 
So I'm not a big fan of dads. And so it was, um, so I, this was going to be, there were so many difficulties you were going to be running up against, you know, to, to have this relationship formed. Um, and, it, but to this day, I don't know what to call myself in relationship to you other than I love you. And I would say she is my daughter. I guess I would say she's like my daughter. That's what uh, I say. I was like, that's my problem. <laughs> you're right there. Right. Um, and, and then whether people understand that or not, who knows, you know, it's, I mean, that's also kind of why I wanted to have this episode with you just because I'd like it to be more public, you know, like what a past we have. Yeah. I, I don't know what type of person I, yeah, I really don't know for me what, what life would have looked like there because you you were a lifeline when I didn't know I needed one. And when I knew I needed one, you were definitely that lifeboat. And I can say now that I am as self-aware and I act with purpose and I speak with purpose and I think with purpose because you allowed me that space to better understand me. It's not that you, it's again, it's not that you told me, oh, this is what's going on with you. You should be doing this. Although you did push a lot for therapy and I just refused it. <laughs> and you were consistent on that. It wasn't I was. Change your tune. No. <laughs> but I, I, and I, I told you, I, I feel like you are my therapy, which I understand your hesitation because you were going through therapy and you knew having somebody else, somebody external point out things and that you did have a bias when you, but it didn't matter because as much as you thought that you had a bias and you probably did, you never voiced that bias. And I didn't need someone to help me necessarily understand what I was saying. I just needed someone to listen and allow me to work through it. And that's exactly what you did. You allowed me to say it. It's out there. I heard it. I'm taking it back, breaking it down. What did I say? How did I hear it? What's true? What's not true? Digest it and put it back out there. So I am the woman that I am now because you allowed me that space. I am as confident, I am as certain, I am as driven and stubborn because I trust myself because you allowed that fertile ground to be able to become this woman. I I could not imagine my life without you. And even though you and I are not on the same ground when it comes to a lot of like, we have similar values. I, I, you know, I, I don't want the honest to get it wrong. We have very, very similar values. However, maybe our way of tackling those values or addressing the issues that arise through those values are different. But there is a lot of love. There is a lot of understanding. And there's a lot of mutual respect. Yeah. And while I see you as a father figure, and I know that you, I see you as a father figure because I do feel safe and protected around you. But I don't feel you as a, I don't see you as a father figure when it comes to politics or decisions. At that point, I do feel like we're equal, that we can sit here and talk about it. And it's not a condescending matter of, I know more than you, you need to listen to me. You're just coming from a naive, young point of mind. It's not. So you feed all of the needs that I have as a mentor, as a peer, as a father. And it's something that I I could not replicate or ask. And while I think it's amazing and I genuinely believe people should have somebody like that, I also understand how fortunate and lucky I am that I have that because it's not common. That's the jackpot. That's, you know, that's the $1.7 billion Powerball. 
Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the I hope I can put it the same. You said um, the person who, who I didn't know I needed. Can you say it again? Because, like, I said it, and it's not coming back. I said yeah, it from the. Heart. I don't know what the heck I said. All I'll say is whatever that was in terms of the person I needed, but I didn't know I needed them, and then they were the person who I needed when I did know. Mm-hmm. I I feel. I actually feel the same way, Emma. You know, like, um, I know I feel good about how I helped. I do. I do. I'm proud of that, and um, I'm I'm glad. Glad. I love you. I like it. I'm glad it led to good things for you. But as as I look back on it, we were really um, we were both we were both finding something that we really needed, um, and you know. Um, and, I, and something else interesting to me is, is when I think about your relationship, I mean, I'm kind of bouncing around, but when I think about as you started into this relationship with Jorge, I felt I did intervene more heavily. Like, do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. And I do feel like I started to, honestly, I did start to feel like that was the beginning of me a little bit owning, if you want me owning a bit of a father thing going on here. like. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I didn't bring that kind of vibe before. I didn't, I wouldn't have brought that vibe, even if I, it just wasn't who I was capable of being. But, but as I became a more interventionalist person, as I became actually more involved in people's lives and letting them be more involved in my life, it did change the way I started to like, talk with you because I definitely know I talk with you different as you started things with Jorge than in other previous things where I was do you, do you know what I'm talking about I know exactly what you're talking about because that was you saying him a stop bullshitting yourself like that's not what's going on you need to tell him or you need to work you know and it is you know which is why it was so important like there was no hesitation either from Jorge or me when we were like okay we're gonna get married who's gonna marry us it was going to be you. It was always going to be you. You were very important to me from the foundation and allowing me to become the person and woman that I am now. You were the one that, you know, pushed me and challenged me to be honest with myself and be honest with Jorge about what was going on and setting expectations and being clear about those expectations and not feeling bad about it and holding them to the fire if they didn't meet that expectation, right? And then for Jorge, it was at your wedding <laughs> that, you know, he fell in love. So it's it's kind of... Meaning that when me and Brandy got married, we have a guest list. And Hema was top on the guest list, obviously. And you were played a big part in our wedding. You organized our, uh, what's that, the, 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 the dinner before the... the rehearsal. Rehearsal, rehearsal dinner. dinner and did an amazing job. But there was a question because she, she had a new a new guy. and. We were like, is she coming by herself or is she coming with this guy? And and I felt, I can't remember what Brandy thought. I think both of us were, I just thought this. I said, I want you to invite him if you're serious. If That's you're not serious, Brandy said. Yes. If you're not serious, don't invite him because I want you there and I want Emma present, but I don't want some Joe Schmo, you know, that is like, fly by night guy and so that was the question we asked of you and i think you were able to create an honest answer of like 
no, I want, he, he's serious and I want, I want him there. And that's, and he, he, of course he went to a great wedding, but he got to see Hema in all her glory <laughs> with your dress and the speech you made. And, um, I mean, this, you gave an amazing speech at our, at our wedding. Um, and you just, you know, I think that's when he realized, oh, this is the person I should be married to. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. We should call him and just to give his take. <laughs> um, no, in in all honesty, I understand the hesitation because when you when you first told me you were getting married and we were going through the plus one, I said, no, it's just going to be me. I was seeing some other folks at that time. Like I was kind of dating around. Um, but then it just coincided with as the wedding date approached, because I think I might have told you maybe like two months before because you it was right before you have to give the final count to the vendors of how many people are going to be there because originally I said no I'm not taking anyone but he and I just started spending more time and we started growing more and then you and I started talking more about him and that's when I was like okay I want to bring him and then yeah you and Brandy I know Brandy was very adamant like who is this guy what is Emma thinking (laughs) (laughs) I was more of a believer that this was potentially like this was leading towards marriage brandy was like what the fuck is she doing yeah <laughs> like stop what are you doing like this is total rebound yes and in all honesty like i i could see that because i was i i had a couple re- <laughs> rebounding um <laughs> yeah but you know jorge's a great guy he's an amazing guy and I I wouldn't have seen that again if it wasn't for you because I was so used to in previous relationships to give not really expect not really and not it's expect cuz you expect we we always expect we always want but demand you know I didn't do that and you you were the one like Emma what are you doing you you, you got to do this and if you're going to do it you got to be honest expect and I was so pleasantly surprised when I was like I guess putting these little tests for him yeah and he was coming through he was flying them he was passing them with flying colors Mm -hmm. and the difference was that you had the test before but you wouldn't you would almost set people up you know like by not giving the information and what you were telling me and this is the reason I believed that I believed in the relationship was I didn't hadn't met Jorge, but I was we we would go on our walks in a different park. I thought it was mostly McLaren Park that we were doing. McLaren Park. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and I I recognized those fears you were bringing up. And the thing was is I was like, are you gonna do this again? Are you gonna re- respond in the same old way to these fears? Maybe this time tell the person your fears. Tell the person Tell the person what you want. You kept on you kept on waiting to see what he was going to do before to, to assess whether the relationship can go forward. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you can be the pacemaker, not not in the demanding way you would kind of been like in controlling, but leading emotional instead of by leading in terms of like do this and do that. And if you do do that, like if they did do that in some ways, it wasn't going to work. And if they don't do that, it wasn't going to work because it was all just about you know it, it it was it was more you directing your partner as opposed to sharing with your partner um and then 
being vulnerable to them and then seeing whether or not it came back your way. But I'm sorry, you were, you did it. So like, I saw the difference. I saw you, you were willing to do those things. You know, we would have the talk and then you would say, I think I know what I got to do. And then we would meet again, like two weeks later, three weeks later, and you'd have done it each time you'd have done that thing. And you tell me, and I'm like, so I felt differently than Brandy did. I would report back to Brandy, but she, she wasn't believing it. She wasn't buying it. Um, <laughs> uh, but she was an important check for me because I was like, because you you can fool me into anything. Honestly, you can convince me of anything about yourself. I could, but you would deep down know inside what it was. Like I think you know me a lot more, or you know me better than you think you do. Okay. Sometimes I feel like you know you're just able to like snow me on, on anything because I just I do have an immense amount of respect for you of your insight inside of yourself. Um, so, but I, Brandy had doubts, but I would counter Brandy's doubts. I was starting, I was becoming a believer. We proved Brandy wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I can't remember when she made that transformation to like being like, oh yeah, here it goes. But I, I don't know what that was. But. I don't know either. It, it'd be interesting to get Brandy's point of view on that. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's funny when we try and summarize it for just and put it on record, kind of like the the evolution of our relationship and where we started and kind of like the impact. But there's just so much. There's so much and so many different dynamics and growth and stages. And, you know, I I love you. I, I love Brandy, you know, and I remember what was it? I think the first time I told you was I loved Brandy before I even got to love Brandy because of association. Mm. You know, I, I was, I saw what was happening with you. And when I met her and I got to talk to her and she really was, you know, like your counterpart, she's so sweet, but she would also push back. She had a punch. <laughs> And I love that about her. Like, I love that about her. And I meant every word that I said um, during your wedding and during the speech. And I stick by it. I think all of these episodes and all of these fights and all of these years in the ISO and everything, looking for a revolution. And the revolution was Brandy all along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember. I, I, I hope I don't know if you remember, but I remember we having a conversation, you were living at Shotwell and we were having it on the couch. And I was telling you that you were wasting your time, that you were never going to have this revolution, that you, my fear was that you were going to end up alone to just forget the shit to find somebody to be with. And that, um, I can't remember. I can't, I, I, I can't remember why I said that, but I remember feeling very strongly that you were going to end up alone. Mm-hmm that you were going to die on this revolutionary hill trying to make a difference. And that's why when I met Brandy and I got to know her, I was like, yeah, this is it. Well, um, I think the reason you thought I was going to do it is because you thought you were like, oh, this person's pretty committed to this. So they're, they're, they're willing to sacrifice. They're going to like, like a person who's going to get tortured and then killed in prison for their cause. You know, like you're just, okay. He seems like he's committed to this. So this is where it's gonna, I think it's going to lead him. It's going to lead him to loneliness and to just never really, you know, think, falling in love with a cause, but never really committing to a person. Um, and I think that could have happened. 
think that could have happened if, I mean, let me, if not for Mitch, if not for Brian, if not for Hema, if not for Jennifer, if not for counseling, um, those, all those things could happen, you know, um, but, but people come into your life and they insist on, on, on some things and they, they start to shape you. And I agree with you that Brandy is my revolution because we have, we have both transformed each other, right? Like the, the road, the road that Brandy's on now, when I can't, I want to interview her for what's left because she has, we're going to make it happen folks, right? <laughs> because she has also been transformed, you know, but as much transformation has taken place with her, that same amount has happened with me, you know, um, and um, we are both down for the cause, but we're now living different lives. We're not, well, I know for me, I'm approaching it differently than I, than I did when you first got to know me. And it was more like, I don't want to call it standard. It was just straight ahead political guy, you know, but not, but, but what, what, what are you doing this for? Like, do you, do you love, you know? Um, cause I, 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 I question, I question politics without love. Like, actually I would say, not I question this, this, I question this cause without love, you know, cause it, I don't think it, you can commit yourself to it without it. No. And, and that's, that's the flip of us, right? Because you were down for the cause. I wasn't down for the cause. I was down for the love. Like I was down for, no, I'm going to, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have yeah. children. I'm yeah. going to like, I had a calendar and I had everything mapped out and exactly how my life was going to be. You, you were focused on revolution over there. And then it turned out to be the opposite, right? Cause revolution comes knocking on my door. Well, not revolution, <laughs> but yeah. No, no unrest problem. comes knocking on my door. And love comes knocking on your door you know my plan comes knocking on your door except for the babies yeah and we both we both jumped on it so and that's the best i think if i had to summarize why we're in each other's why we're still so connected and why we are so involved and it really is. I, I I do think we are two kindred souls, different eras, different ages, but our values are the same. Our hopes are really down the same. We both are, you know, open to growing and to sharing and to expanding and we're committed to each other. I keep a very, very tight circle. Very, very tight. I I am a terrible friend. No. From the perspective of I don't call. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm terrible at answering text messages. I'm terrible at answering calls, but I am write or die. I am that person that if shit hit, if shit hits the fan, <laughs> you can count on me. I, I will be there. I will help you get rid of the body. Yep. I and mean, I know you are like, you know, oh, I've got a plane flight. We got to wake up at 3 a.m. You're going to have to drive 45 minutes. Pick me up at 3 a.m. Da, 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 da. That's what's going to have to happen. You're like, okay, I guess that's what has to happen. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> there is no there is no favor there is no anything too big or too small it's this is what you do for people you love this is what you, you know you're committed to and so that takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of effort your relationship with me was a lot of work our relationship took a lot a lot of work it took us opening up with each other us analyzing you going through counseling me hitting my face against the wall and coming back and you know it hasn't been all peaches 
and cream, you know, you and I have had differences. I don't think that we've ever gotten into a big fight, but I do. You have yelled at me once. <laughs> but <laughs> I will tell the audience in like in a bonus episode why you yelled at me. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. Um, but it takes work. It takes commitment. And that kind of work and commitment, you cannot spread it and give it to everyone. And so I've always been very much of, these are the people I want in my life. I am going to give everything from you, but I'm going to expect everything from you too. And it's easy for me to cut people out of my life. If you're not up to par, I'm not going to hate you, but I will cut you off. And you've never been on that chopping block. Like you've never even been a contender to be cut out. Even when I was going through and just eliminating people from my life, you were never one of them. And, you know, like all I can say is this is why I I know that when the end of the line comes, you know, you will be there. I will be there by extension. Brandy will be there. Jorge will be there. Brian will be there. And again, that is why I feel so close to my circle. You allowed for me to feel comfortable in trusting men again in building relationships with adults and people that aren't necessarily from my culture or don't necessarily think or act like me. And it opened up my entire view of what to expect of people, what to ask of them, what to give back. And, and one, one question I'd have is, when did we make the transformation? When did I make the transformation of being somebody who was one way to two way? It was during your counseling with Susie. It was when things were ending with Susie because I, I, I don't know what it was at that point. Um, so because you were going through changes too, because I think Roger and Rachel who were moving to Australia and were doing their own thing. Yes. No, you know what I think it is? I think it is, I think it was the middle of counseling, which was started by Susie, but I think it was because it forced you to look at your parent-child relationship and you and I had a parent-child relationship. Yeah. And you started opening up about you started opening up about some of the things that you were talking about in counseling, not everything. There were things that I know you still kept to yourself, but that's where it was. That's how it, that's how it started. It started around there. Yeah. I, cause I definitely remember, I remember saying, I'm not going to do this. And I don't remember when I made the change. <laughs> it was then because you, so your mom came to San Francisco and I met your mom. Mm -hmm. I was living at the Northgate, the Westlake Apartments at that time. And I remember she came over for dinner and she was so sweet. So, so, so sweet, your mom. And it, it was, it was, it was around that time. I don't know exactly what the first communications were, but I know that it was around counseling. Yeah. Well. I, and I was uh, like, ah, my evil plot worked all along. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm, fuck, no, I'm not going to counseling, but you get yourself. You need it. <laughs> well, no, I, it was, it, it happened with counseling because I always thought family was so big and family was so important to me. And I was telling you, I make sacrifices around my family. There's things that I put up with and things that I'm willing to look aside because family is so important and you have to do everything in your in your power to keep family where that, or that be looking at an abuser in the eye or just, you know, just for the right of family. Whereas you are more like, no, and I was like, you have to, 
and because you were working through family at that time, that's how it started. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure where all I would say is I am, I'm really grateful for how close I am with my mom and my brother uh, to my biological family. Now um, I do think counseling has a role to play that. I feel like my relationship with you and my relationship with Jennifer, definitely my relationship with Brandy has a role to play in that. Um, but I'm also grateful for the this family, like me, you, Jennifer, Brandy, Brian. Like um, I, I did not realize I could have. My family has always been kind of tight. We didn't really necessarily go. I always see grandparents and cousins and things like this. But um, I did not realize how much security one could get from having that broader network of people who you know are committed to you and are so solid. Like, I am proud of the fact that I'm also a 3 a.m. drive you to the airport person. I'm proud of that. Um, but goddamn, you are totally that person. And it's, and Brian is, Brian's a kind of guy. Um, and it's just amazing to find your equal and find your match in those sorts of things. A person who you know will give as much as you give. Um, and, uh, and won't hesitate. It's not going to be like, call, they're, you're, they're not going to be calling in a mark or something like that. Um, and it's a, it's a great feeling. I know that it also meant that we asked you to do some things for the wedding that you and I worked on the, the newspaper, that brilliant thing. And you were so frustrated at me, <laughs> rightly so. Cause I was micromanaging. Um, and that, and that, it came out great. It came out great. It was brilliant. <laughs> The Rogue's Vogue, and with articles in it about our meeting Brandy and set in a particular time, it was brilliant. Um, so, you know, it's not all cheese and crackers being uh, Andy's daughter-like person. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, though. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be boring. So I guess we've had two, but that wasn't a fight. It was just me like, oh, my fucking God. But I was like... It's his wedding. It's fine. It's I appreciate it. And also for. with the ring. The ring you 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 also showed. Oh, I was pissed Bill, with the ring though. Bill's patience. Oh, Why was I got so mad with the ring? Because you went solo. I think yeah. it, it, <clears throat> you had helped it me like, design and everything about the ring. But then when the person you that that you had gonna, kind of picked to do it looks like oh we can't do it. I just I just said, fuck that. I'm gonna go find a person, da 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 da. And I didn't talk to you about it. And I kind of cut you out in terms of it was, was wrong. it was wrong. And that was, I apologize. And, yeah. you know, the uh, Hema played a huge role in Brandy's ring. Ultimately then a secondary role in this ring, because that, that matched the colors of that. Oh man, I can't really, it has, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an asshole sometimes. <laughs> well, we love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> so. And now, I mean, <clears throat> okay, I'm not putting this part in. Well, I am. Edit. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I will just say, I'm. Well, you, well, let's figure out what we'll do with this. Mm -hmm. um, this is honestly, Emma. It it is it is amazing to have you be part of this what's left thing. Um, I know this was a possibility many years ago, and even then, I was just like. Emma's a fucking, who knows what she'll say. Let's get her on the show. The wild card. Uh, you know, but I, I feel, still feel that way. But I now 
I have almost come to see what's left for me as a family show. It is a it's talk about politics, but Eduardo, I mean, you know, he's a, such a big part of my life. And now we added in Jessica and of course Kenny, and it it's so this has become very this show has become very personal for me. It's not like I mean, if, if we get more subscribers, I don't know. Does YouTube kick us off? Who cares? Um, but to be able to do this with you is really very meaningful to me. It may, it is cement. It's like it's like sealed the show into. It's made it something else for me, um, something that it it was kind of becoming, but more like no. This is where this is also part of my family um, here, and uh, so it was. I was surprised that you decided to just come and join us, but you know, I people have to know that it's this thing has changed. The, this has changed the show for me now. You know, and I hope you can, I mean, regardless of whether you can stay or not, because I personally think you are loading yourself up with things that may mean you cannot stay here. This is the part that I'm wondering I can have to edit part, you know, but I want to tell you whether you stay or go for months or years, I'll be glad every damn episode I have with you. That's what I'll say. I'm, I do this because. I love having these conversations with you. And this is, this gives us an opportunity to share time, you know, right now with you living over there and me living here and life, it's going to be rare that we get, you know, it's not going to be as, Hey, come on down. Let's just hang out. Like I, I know that. And, and I will take it. I, I will absolutely take this, but to a bigger extent, I've always I've always lamented that most people don't feel comfortable having these kinds of conversations with their loved ones, with their friends and being comfortable disagreeing. And even if you get mad and you get heated and words are said, understanding that that's all it is. It's just a disagreement on a specific topic. It doesn't change the person you're speaking with. It doesn't change how you feel about them. It shouldn't change the dynamics afterwards. It's more of a, you know, let's agree to disagree kind of thing. And if anything, this should show and this should expand to people. Please be comfortable having these conversations. Please form these types of relationships. Because again, there's going to come a time when you're going to need to have them. You're going to need to organize. And you're not going to be successful unless you know who you're organizing with. And just because someone tells you, oh, yeah, I'm down for the cost. I can do it. Sign me up. You can count on me. Does not mean you can. And that's how you get all of these moles and these meanwhile organizations just fucking shit up. And, well, I, you know, I don't think that this episode is going to be, is going to even come close to your John F. Kennedy episode. <laughs> <laughs> In viewership. For those that stuck around and for those that were interested in getting to know Andy and getting to know Hema and how this weird dynamic works, it's don't just be interested in us and our dynamic and our chemistry. Think of how can you apply this? How can you do this with your own people? Have these conversations, get together, be stronger. And you and I had a lot of these types, similar political conversations at the beginning. And our relationship wouldn't have evolved to the strong, cemented, you know, no doubt about it if we hadn't gone through that, if it hadn't started somewhere. Because even if you're apolitical, you're you're not. You're not apolitical. You live in a world. You live in this world. You're a citizen of this community. And you're going to have convert. You're going to have opinions, right? Mm -hmm. So. 
And who knows? Maybe one day you'll have a Lipson in your life. Or a Hema. Even better. <laughs> oh, if you have a Hema, just prepare for that. Prepare for that. <laughs> <laughs> I am the best roller coaster you've ever gotten on. Shut it's up. True. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> and Hema does love going on roller coasters. Walt is, uh, what is it? Uh, Disney, Studios. But, yeah. And Disney. But I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm. I'm not a hardcore for those big scary ones. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I can't deal with them at all. Um, <laughs> I think you, those final words you left are really what, what our show's about. So I'll, we'll, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, <clears throat> well, thanks, Emma. Thank you, Lipson. Love you. I love you too. <laughs> um, all right. Let's do the outro. Make Eduardo proud. Please do it at half speed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political broadcast channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog, whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find past episodes to this uh, channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, Turn on your notifications to any of our eight platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, oh no, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, or Telegram. Um, if you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Um, all right, well, that's it for Andy and for Hema. Hema, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Of course. and. Um, we look forward to talking with Eduardo uh, next week, hopefully. Um, and um, we'll, we'll see every, everyone next week. Bye.